Welcome to another episode of Insider Investing. Today we have a very special guest. She is admired and has broken many norms with her unconventional leadership. She is the youngest AMC CEO in India and among the top 30 most powerful women in Indian business. She is a young global citizen having grown up across four continents. She is a keen storyteller, a bridge player, a Twitter blogger. Her YouTube videos have garnered over 100,000 views in a short span of time. Please welcome Radhika Gupta, MD and CEO at Edelweiss AMC. Hi Radhika, and thank you for doing this uh, for Insider Investing. Super thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks, Sandeep. Thank you for having me. So, Radhika, when I was uh, you know uh, talking to you earlier, one big thing st- stuck out to me, which is the fact that how different your journey is from mine. i have been uh, after b school uh, worked with ifl for almost 15 years nice. uh, and then started up you had a very different journey you started up first worked uh, ran forefront for 5 years and now 7 or 8 years maybe with edelweiss yeah 8 years 8 years 7 and a half yeah 8 wow so how 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 is it turning entrepreneur to a professional or is it still very much the same It's an interesting question, you know, Sandeep. When I when I did the move um, from entrepreneurship to, you realize I was very young when I did entrepreneurship, right? So at twenty three, twenty four, you don't even have any idea what is going on, right? So, but when I did the move and when we sold the business to Edelweiss, uh, people sort of made me feel like it would be a very big difference, and I got told things like they will eat you alive, and sorry, company, to lala company, hoti hai. and that kind of language was there and it is was especially there because everyone knew that i had not lived in india or worked in india right my work experience is the us and i have grown up abroad so i heard a lot of this when i when i moved and when we were selling the business etc etc um and i have realized having done both stints this actually not that much difference in my head actually in the way i operate i don't wake up thinking oh i'm an employee Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Life just doesn't work that way. You don't operate that way. Um, I run Edelweiss AMC as if I own the business, and obviously I'm incentivized that way. Um, and I ran forefront as if I run the business. So I think if you're building a good quality business, and if you have your soul into building the business, I don't think it's linked to how much ownership you had or whether you were the co-founder or the CEO. I think I think uh, entrepreneurship is an attitude. It's a state of mind. No, absolutely. I think the question is who you are answerable to, right? So at some level, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, you are answerable to yourself before you are answerable to anybody else, right? But uh, you know, at Edelweiss is a listed entity. At some level, you know, there is external stakeholders involved. Whereas in forefront, you probably had a lot more latitude in terms of how you could do things. So and plus, it's a mutual fund, which is which is a whole different ball game compared to an AIF or a PMS structure. How how did that work out? Okay, so I'll I'll come to the mutual fund bit separately because I think there are two nuances to the question. The the first nuance is about who you're answerable to, and the mm-hmm. second is the stakeholder bit. Now, apple to apple, I think you know people always say that if you are an entrepreneur, you are your own boss, and you know, etc. etc. I've heard a lot of that. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. Firstly, I think in this day and age, in the world of asset management, we're not in the proprietary trading business. Our first boss is clients. Always has been. Uh, at forefront, I think uh, even if I didn't have a boss, uh, 
I was very answerable to distributors. I was very answerable to investors and you're always answerable to the regulator. So in fact, I think in an entrepreneurial setting, because your day on day salary depends so much on those customers and distributors, I felt more answerable to them than I have ever felt. Um, the second is, I think, one of the reasons that we chose to sell the business to Edel. Um, and people always think business sales are about valuation. And while that is important, was culture. So Edel that way uh, is a very, very free culture. Uh, we have budgets, we have compliance rules, we have oversight, but we really are very free to do what we want. Um, you know, I, I probably haven't shared this before, but Many people know that in Adel AMC, we were the surprise winner of the Bharat Bond mandate. Um, That's right. Me and my immediate boss knew about that Bharat Bond mandate. I think Rashish got to know about it on the day we won the mandate. And I told Amazing. him. Amazing, really? And, and that is the kind of freedom and flexibility. And he was all supportive. And I called, I remember telling them from Delhi that, listen, we've won this mandate. You're going to read about it in the media. Uh, <laughs> And he was in one of our offices, I think, and he was announcing it and he was celebrating it. Uh, but that that's how we've always been as a culture. We've always been given a lot of freedom and flexibility to operate, which is why I think eight years has happened. Because I don't think uh, when, I, when I was joining Edelweiss, I don't think I planned or thought that eight years would happen. Now, there is a second important point, which is a mutual fund point. Um, mutual fund has a very large degree of stakeholder management. Um, if I was running it standalone, it would be the case. And if I was running it here, it is a public business. Um, and you are, I, I was, uh, we have a program called CEO for a day for our teams and we nominate some people. Uh, and so, you know, some of my employees from branches, et cetera, they were asking me a question in this and they were like, so what do you do all day? It's <laughs> fascinating. Um, and I said, you know, a lot of it is stakeholder management. So you are answerable to a board, you are answerable to trustees, you are answerable to consumers, you are answerable to distributors, you are answerable to the media, um, you are answerable to your employees, and everything is disclosed. I mean, just everything is out there, right? Your NAVs are public, they circulate on WhatsApp, your positions are public, your compensation is public. Now where you're going to, I mean, everything is out there in the public eye. So it is you're managing public money and you know you're answerable to the public in anything so that is a huge level of responsibility that that i have to say is, is a very large level of responsibility but i've told rashish in many reviews i'm also very happy for that because it gives you a lot of exposure in the ceo role at a very young age i don't think many industries in financial services give you this level of exposure absolutely i think uh, i you would be among the youngest if not the youngest uh... AMC CEO in India, at least at this uh, scale and size. So that is incredible. But uh, Radhika, let's go back to the forefront time, right? Uh, I remember 2009 or 10, uh, uh, we had this, and back then at IFL Wealth, we were a small outfit. And uh, in a small, tight uh, conference room, you and I think Nalin was also there, you had yeah, pitched yeah. the forefront concept to us. And it was like, wow, man, finally hedge funds are coming to India. This was right after the, uh, I think, 2008, 9 yeah, uh, right right GFC. Uh, how was that? How was setting up Forefront right after the global financial crisis and in a new asset class? Investors are probably shirking away. All of this is mumbo jumbo. Like, you know, those kind of things happen right after a big crisis plays out. So how did that work out for you? So I think when we were starting Forefront, Sandeep, as I said, we were so young that we didn't overthink the journey. Um, 
and frankly we had no the good or bad is we had no idea of what is going on in india i remember when we were taking this decision the decision to move in itself from the us was such a large one right you've never lived in this country you've never worked in this country funnily enough by the way our first dream when we wanted to come back was to run a mutual um and then we looked at sebi's capitalization requirements and we were like this is not going to happen so back then i was thinking that you know we want to run a mutual fund one day that was the original wish uh back then there was also no aif so we settled upon pms and then we started and i have to say the folks at sebi were super helpful even when we were in the us we were asking them questions on how to set up etc and then we came back and we met them and they were so encouraging they actually made it fair, uh, they made it feel like it was going to be super easy to get a pms license and we yeah. actually the timing said 21 days we got ours in 16 days that's how it was that's unbelievable amazing. so i think we were you know we didn't think financial crisis we didn't think meltdown in fact we were starting a pms business and on i think one of the first months uh, my father in law made us meet a very senior ex financial services ceo and he told us two prominent amcs had shut down their pms business and my father in law thought this would discourage us and we didn't care we just had this thing ki jazba hai hame kuch karna hai i think at that age and stage you don't care so you don't think all these macro thoughts that i probably would think if i had to do this today amazing but let me actually then uh, you know that's interesting you said you never lived and worked in india and yeah. yet to set up a new uh, entrepreneurial venture for india how did that happen like you were uh, i think sumakom lord at wharton uh, like the top dollar payouts probably on wall street why would you come to india you know because young people are hungry to do something uh I went to a school. So I am the daughter of a government official. Nalan's father is a professional. Incidentally, and I don't know what drove us to come back to India. It was a lark. You wanted to do something. I now, when I reflect back on time, um, a lot of my classmates are industrialists uh, from Wharton. Uh, yeah. You know, you you would know many of them. Uh, perhaps that, uh, and at that point, a lot of them were coming back to India. Now, comparison is the stupidest thing to do in life, um, and I've realized later you should not do it. But in this case, it worked out well. Um, perhaps that drove the instinct. This was also, you remember, two thousand five, six. There was that whole bull market and BRICS euphoria and India euphoria. People were. I mean, it just felt like the place to be, right? So I think all of these things put together, and then. You know, my father had in a couple of passing conversations after I graduated from Wharton. He said, "Someday, now, Vapis, you know, you can't be brain drain of India. You have to come back." Now, none of no one explicitly told us come back, but I think some of these things feed your subconscious, right? Right, and so much of that environment feels very familiar right now with where we are. But yeah. I'll come back to the markets bit in in just a bit. You know, uh, at forefront, you were evangelizing a new asset class, almost like. Uh, uh people would push back and say ki bahut exotic hai and you know even as wealth managers you we would think about that in today's environment where suddenly a new spate of asset classes which wealth managers are struggling to wrap their heads around so there is crypto there is nft and all of that stuff but how was it how was that experience of explaining and educating people about what an aif first to begin with is and then the strategy of long shorts and all of that stuff did uh, distributors get it were they open you know i have until date we haven't stopped even in my mutual fund role 
uh, we haven't stopped evangelizing new things. And I'll give you some examples. So that journey fundamentally continues today. I don't know why I've become the evangelist. So incidentally, and I'll come back to the long short example, when Bharatwan launched, uh, we were the evangelist for debt passives, right? And target maturity funds. And I was just writing an article on this cut to two years later and everybody is launching passive fixed income funds with target maturity. And we are feeling very happy because we were the first ones to find this word target maturity to explain the concept at the time of Bharat Bond. Right. <laughs> so the team is feeling really good about this. So I think evangelizing a new asset class has come. Uh, the same thing with international investing. We started talking about this in 2017 because we inherited those funds from JP Morgan and now everybody is launching international funds. So this evangelization of new asset classes has been, I think, has never left us. And maybe that's a good thing. Um, I think then and now, people do listen. I think now people are a lot more open then. Uh, then there were very few people who were way forward looking. So, um, and also remember, as you correctly said, 2008 had just happened. People were very skeptical of things that were complicated. In fact, in that sense, I think Forefront was a few years ahead of its time. So things like quant investing, um, you know, which was how Forefront started or long short, which are all big things today, they appeared very you know, sudden. It also depends on the upon who it comes from. I think if a big brand goes out and endorses um, the same thing versus three young kids, you know, obviously you don't yeah. carry the same credibility. So, you know, even today, uh, and Edelweiss AMC goes out and does international investing versus the largest state-owned AMC in the country goes out and, you know, does it, that lends a certain degree of credibility and it actually expands the market, which is all good for all of us. Um, but I think people gave us time. So what, uh, what would happen a lot then is people would listen to the idea. They would see the track record. A couple of guys gave us seed capital at the time. And mm. I, I know who they are. And till date, I'm eternally grateful uh, to them because we started the business with 25 lakhs in AUM, which was the minimum at that time. Um, and I, it, you know, you collect all your friends and family money and that came to two crores and then friends and family stopped. And yeah. I think about a year into it, we had two crores of AUM. And then one or two distributors came on board and they gave us a chance with a couple of their clients because they saw the energy and the enthusiasm. They could afford to take a risk. Um, and then the journey sort of took off. We also learned, I think, a lot about product structuring in the first few years. Uh, I think our first few products came with a lot of arrogance and inexperience of not knowing any consumers. See, we were investment professionals. None of us had done a bit of sales in our life. The last few products of Forefront Capital and then finally what we built with Edelweiss when we started the business were a lot more evolved. So I have learned product design on the ground. If you ask me the strength of even Edelweiss AMC today, it is product design. Uh, we think of products a little bit ahead of the curve and we think from a very consumer lens. I think that has come from six, seven years of really struggling with this. Um, and... The good thing about Forefront is we had the time to go sell. So I was selling directly, right? So I would go to Calcutta for one of our event our PMSs and meet 10 customers a day and like eat lunch in Bada Bazaar on the way and catch a taxi and like be exhausted at the end. But that teaches you a lot, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, even I deserve, you know, one of the things we are learning is you just have to get the product out in the hand of the 
ultimate user yeah. and then yeah. they take over and start shaping it for you yeah like yeah. it becomes so much easier and which is why getting the product out of the door is one of the first most important thing and you uh, have to get something i keep telling my team you know you don't have to build taj mahal in day one i mean even you know we're building some digital products uh, and I, i was telling my tech team it doesn't have to be perfect on day one it fundamentally will not be perfect on day one it's not a monument right it's a work in progress um so that's something i keep telling it's important to ship uh you know i started my career as a code uh, coder/technology person it's important to ship one version i mean just as when you're writing it's important to write one version because then it takes a life of its own but if you don't write one version then nothing moves no i have to confess one thing actually is that as somebody who's been in the industry for a long time the weight of the reputation can be overwhelming so you know you're like are how can i share how can i release this product like how would it look for me you know yeah. and sometimes which is why for experienced founders that gets in the way of uh, getting the product out of the door but yeah great advice but uh, you know i'm going back cutting to 2014 you decided to uh, uh, sell uh, forefront to edelweiss what was that turning point where you said ki chalo abhi now let edelweiss take this over and i'll join edelweiss okay so i mean uh, it was a long process uh, we thought and thought about who we were going to sell the company to we wanted a larger platform um and we spent a year making the decision uh, we met people bigger than edelweiss we met people smaller than edelweiss uh, i keep uh, i told rajesh and venkat uh, i was very arrogant about not meeting edelweiss at first because i said these guys are too aggressive that's the market reputation and i told the banker i was like there's no way we're going to meet um but when we met incidentally i was like wait they're just like us this is going to work um and i think see you have to realize as a financial services sale is very different from a sale in technology um or consumer products in many of those businesses you buy or sell a good or a product or a platform and you as the founder exit in financial services your business our business people are buying in part the reputation so you are necessarily continuing as an employee for 3 4 mm-hmm. years after it's it's true of most of these deals uh, certainly in money management and so money is important but cultural fit is equally important and one of the nice things is you know rujar who did the deal at hetlo i said it's it, it is very much a partnership it will work it's not a acquisition acquisition is like x yeah. x y it can't be like that it has to feel like a partnership um Right. and that's ultimately why we made the decision and the fact that both nalin and i are here 8 years later i don't think you know so people kept saying oh you guys are going to quit in 4 years what's the duration of your honor you're going to quit in 8 years fact is the honor was a 4 year duration we're sitting here 8 years later right so it wouldn't have worked if it wasn't cultural and i've done enough mna in life we did the jp morgan deal which i ran um mna works if the cultural fit works uh uh you know radhika let me just now go deeper into this entrepreneurial thing and uh, uh today as an entrepreneur you're supposed to read blitz scaling by reed hoffman grow fast uh, there is play bigger there is all of this uh, stuff around accelerated growth right and uh, that's a really a tough conflict especially in financial services right where you're managing people's money and you feel responsible for what you're doing with that how what's your advice to entrepreneurs on this whole grow fast fail fast break things uh, story okay so before before i say anything firstly i'll say i am the most impatient person on planet earth uh i and i understand the hunger for growth 
if you walk into the office of Edelweiss Mutual Fund, there is a big wall with money plants all over it that says growth. And I believe Indians and especially young Indians are born for growth. The only thing that is, life is tough in India, but growth is exciting. In the US, we talk 5-10% growth rates and we're like, hey, you know, it's exciting. India is 50, 100, multiples. This is a growth is a drug. So, firstly, I love growth. I get growth. And I am, a, if you ask me my biggest weakness in life, and I can't say coffee, I'll say it's impatience. I'm extremely impatient. That's it. Um, I think you have to build a franchise that is quality. Um, and if you can do it while growing really, 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 really fast, then by all means do it. Uh, but you have to ask yourself in this rush for valuation, what embedded business value are you creating? Um, I wake up every day knowing that I run a brand that manages common people's money. Uh, I also happen to be on social media and reasonably known on social media. And I know the kind of messages that people write to me. I am doing my first pocket money investment investment in Bharat Bond. Uh, I'm because I've read two of your tweets and I trust you. I'm going to make an investment for my daughter. And believe me, I'm not saying it. I I take that responsibility, and we as as MC take that responsibility very very seriously. Um, so when we launch a product, we have a very thorough checklist of why we will and will not do something, and we launch much fewer products than our peers, even at a time when NFO season is happening. Uh, because we say that the product has to meet a genuine consumer need. It has to achieve a certain scale and size. And we have to be good at managing it because there are things other people in our competition do well, like credit risk funds, which we are not capable of doing well. And we're very happy to say no. Um, we also like to launch things where we have the opportunity to be a little different. So everyone's talking passive investing, but we want to find, we don't want to be the 50th guy launching a nifty index fund in the country. I mean, what, why, why should we do that? We don't stand. What value addition is there? What, what are we doing? You know, um, so we have a very detailed checklist and it, the consumer is very much at the heart of, uh, our, our vision statement is providing investment solutions, but solutions that deliver enduring value. And I think that's to your point, that in this rush for growth, don't forget that concept of enduring value. Um, because, you know, every business, and we are sitting in peaks of bull markets, is going to go through up cycles and down cycles. And this frenzy will end. If you build a business that is sustainable and grows sustainably, you will have a, you will lead a much less dramatic life. And that's what I've seen. So, again, mm. statistics I have not shared ever. Um, in the context of Edelweiss AMC, in the last four years, we have never had a month of negative net equity since. Never. Um, and wow. the industry bled last year. We've had flat months. Yes. We've never had a negative month. Um, we built a fixed income book because we never ran after liquid funds. That is very, very stable. So people keep saying your quarterly numbers are good because we raise stable long-term money and we forgot the fight for liquid funds. We were like, kya they, they, they grow and someone gives us money in liquid and it's okay. Um, but we focused on building something that is for the long term. Um, and this year we're having, you know, one of our finest years in terms of equity sales, but we haven't done an equity NFO for the last three years. That's amazing actually with 12, 13, 14,000 crores being raised per NFO. But and we don't want to. And, and I genuinely believe 
if you do things that are right for the consumer see there are things that bigger brands can do when they are backed by banks and they should do them i'm not taking away but we can't do them right we don't have the ability to raise 12000 crores in an equity and afford today so we have to be the best version of what we can be and they have to cap everyone has to bat to their strengths they're batting to their strengths we have to bat to ours but radhika i think you make it sound much easier than it actually probably is at at edelweiss right because uh i put myself in the shoes of a sales guy in the mutual fund and his other peer in another uh, amc is talking about oh i raised like 30000 crores in yeah. this particular nfo combined couple of things and and then you know everyone wants that number on their cv it's like a hard communication task as well i'm sure it hasn't been easy and i i i will tell you i mean and i don't like these words large amc small amc etc um in our industry because league tables are such a big deal in any case the more emerging guy has it tougher in fact in 2017 when i started and you know today there's a lot of warmth about new amcs oh x new amc is coming is going to bring a new approach and they're going to be digital and they're going to be passive and all this stuff is happening in 17 and i keep joking with i think even swarup mohanty about this when all of us were starting our journey there was no kind of hype and love and media and all around us we didn't get we didn't get this kind of debut now people are getting like starkid kind of debuts we didn't have uh, that kind of debut at our time it was just a very vanilla debut we just came in and and i don't come from this industry right um, so in that sense yes it is not easy one of the things is our the composition of our team is slightly different um If you look at the people in our team, they're on average younger, and they come from slightly unconventional backgrounds. So, you know, a sales head has probably never been a sales head before. He's run zones, but he's not done that. A marketing head has never done marketing. Also, people come from slightly different and unconventional backgrounds. So, you know, we live a little bit in our own bubble, and that helps. Um, because otherwise, you can drive yourself crazy. This is a very very competitive industry. uh very fast paced and everyone has every information about each other every day you know your competitor scheme by scheme what is aom is so if yeah. you want to compare this is a lifetime of unhappiness i mean you can just drive yourself bananas and sandeep i'll also say the current state has not been automatic i think we have made our set of grapples mistakes in 17 18 we have figured out what we can do we figured out what we can't do so not to say that we won't make mistakes again but we have a little more self confidence ki this is what we want to do and this is what we do and i think success adds to self confidence also but uh, when radhika says chappal ghiso uh, how how do people react to that like nobody wants to do that it's like the age of dopamine you want instant gratification you want everything at your fingertips how how do you convince people that both within edelweiss and then for their own careers because you are a social media star uh how do you like that is the approach to go with your careers as well yeah and you know so chappal ghiso has become thoda sa popular um but is actually is so why i credit i credit the line to my boss uh, in 2000 this is a good good one for entrepreneurs i think in 2017 18 and some of these boardroom conversations everyone would ask me and my boss even at that point hey, what is your age and you know business boards love asking these questions what is your age and you are sitting here and thinking yeah, what is my age products are commoditized by sebi pricing is come i mean what is my age right and so it's at some point even said he's like you know hum chappal zyada kaise we'll just work harder than other people we'll go out and sell with more fervor 
we'll design products faster we'll file with sebi quicker we'll get our ad campaigns out sooner we'll take customer calls we'll work the longer hours this will be our edge and i really believe execution can be our edge and so in one of the town halls uh, we have quarterly town halls i actually had a picture of a high heel and i love to wear heels that said chappal ghiso and that was sort of ingrained in the dna of the organization early so chappal ghiso is something that uh, you know is very very core to us and uh, i actually uh, in pre covid times sandeep change five chappals every quarter because i used to travel so much that chappal genuinely gets jati the it's a running joke that every quarter i run out of five pairs of heels and my husband knows i'm going to buy them so covid is the period like i'm the classic customer for shoe stores so that's how the narrative got shaped internally it's when you're looking for an edge you don't have bank distribution you don't have some crazy digital presence you don't have some crazy digital brand um mm. but hard work can always be uh an edge and i think gradually that is the narrative that people have got um it was a lot easier uh, more difficult in 2017 2018 gradually people have also realized within the organization that if you work hard you know things do start to move the rewards of hard work are not immediate but they start to show up later that one ifa you had a conversation in in 17 who never gave you any attention may end up giving you a 20 crore check when you're sitting there in 2020 we also provide our people a lot of internal growth that's a stated strategy um how do you do that like what, what every every role the first choice is an internal talent if we can so um head of bombay sales was a very good rm in delhi uh mm-hmm. recently we had one person move out of a key accounts role moved an internal guy give a mm-hmm. bombay banking head role which is a very big role in a mutual fund to a very young guy who actually joined us from the our agri business 2 3 years ago give a chief operating officer role of an amc uh someone who has never been in the mf industry younger than me young woman who's younger than me so that is our choice has always been use an internal talent even if they're 70 80% of the external talent because that's how you will get people to stay um and we've hired people of that dna so there are certain places you know there are certain people that come to us and tell us i work at xyz how will i work here because at xyz you know brand pay paisa aa jata hai and i'm like yaar yahan to you know chappal kisni padenge paise lane ke liye you will have to work really hard at everything and you won't have everything on the platter so we attract a certain kind of people and the chappal kiso is actually like an extension of this whole compounding thing right like you keep doing it uh, and it builds over a period of time and i think uh, that is a very true sort of thing for investing also recently i was watching this show i love it it's ted lasso it's about this uh, it's an apple tv american football coach who's uh, coaching in the uk and he says to one of his uh, uh, you know players that be a goldfish uh, which is uh, forget and i was like yeah, so i've heard this before like i've read this before somewhere and then was radhika's thought on be a goldfish investor so uh, are you a goldfish investor so i i want to tell you the goldfish thing i am a very goldfish investor i'm actually a deeply goldfish investor but the goldfish thing that became popular actually i was reading ruskin bond someone had sent me some ruskin bond books uh, and i love to write so he had and i had great disrespect for goldfish till i wrote that story because i had grown up in a culture where i thought goldfish were stupid animals because they just roamed around the bowl and did nothing then i read this ruskin bond thing about this goldfish and cat story and how a cat agitates a goldfish and the goldfish doesn't get agitated and the cat goes away 
And he wrote, he's like, I respect the goldfish because goldfish are never agitated. Um, and then I realized, huh, there's something to learn from everybody because in today's market, there are so many reasons to be agitated. In today's life, there are so many reasons to be agitated. Forget right. markets. There's news, there's media, there's social media, there's WhatsApp groups, there's this, there's that. As an investor, you have 5,000 reasons to be agitated. If you can just tone down, that'll be good. I'm actually a total goldfish investor. I'm a very boring investor. Um, I do SIPs in a certain set of mutual fund schemes. In March 2020, I didn't even look at my portfolio because I know what is going on. And I'm also a very fiscally sensible investor. So I'm a total goldfish, total goldfish. But tell me, Radhika, how does that pair with being a hedge fund uh, fund manager? Like, isn't that at odds with it? Because there you're looking for like immediate short-term opportunities and here is a very different approach. So I, I haven't managed money for years, one. But even in my hedge fund days and, you know, the myth around hedge fund strategies is that we largely do intraday trading and very short-term stuff. Even what we do on the hedge fund side, incidentally, and this has been a conscious choice. We've experimented with everything on the hedge fund side also, is a lot more long-term. So we are doing long-term equities with some amount of shorting fundamentally broken companies. And it's not companies that are broken on a one-day basis. Companies that are structurally broken over three years, we are doing pre-IPO work, which is fundamentally long-term. That brand, one of the things that we decided we consciously don't want to do is very short-term hedge fund investing, that liquid plus wala debt plus market, we just don't do that anymore. So even our investing in most things has become long-term. I mean, as I said, my fixed income book is long-term in an industry where largely people do short-term fixed income. Um, I think life is better when there's less volatility. And so if you had to give like one piece of one insider tip to people who are not from the investing space about their portfolios, what would it be? Uh, I think do what works. And this is the most boring, it's, it's a total goldfish tip, but do what works for you because there is such a FOMO tendency and tendency to do something because someone else is doing it today. In today's social media age, he's buying index funds, so I should go buy index funds. He's buying international funds, so I should go to it. My brother's asset allocation is like this. My friend recommended this. I think investing is very personal. And it has to make sense for you. And you will know if it makes sense for you. You're a good investor if you can be a goldfish with your investments, if you don't need to look at them every day. If March 2020 happens and it's causing you a huge amount of stress, it's changing your lifestyle, it's causing fights at home, it's causing a fundamental shift, then you probably have made some mistakes in asset allocation and risk appetite. But if you're living through that, with some discomfort of a goldfish, maybe little gas pockets, March 2020. But if you're able to get through that comfortably, then I think you've done your allocations right. So I think that is that is my advice. And most people I see are fairly agitated. Um, I, I went to a session, interestingly, yesterday um, on mental health for children because a lot of my uh, friends have kids uh, who are in their teenage. And a lot of household problems, funnily enough, the doctor was saying, have come in the COVID period from financial problems in the family that have percolated down to bichara children. And that is... Wow. That is and there's lasting impact in some cases, right? That is the deep impact. You know, you plan money badly. You don't allocate right. You have business losses compounded by investment losses. They cause stress in the family. 
that is leading to mental health issues at home, we don't realize the sort of lasting ripple effects that these things have and are having. And it's an eye-opener. So really do what gives you a good night's sleep. My favorite product on Earth is well known to be Balanced Advantage Fund. And till date, people ask me, oh, I'm a long-term equity investor. What is this nonsense about BAF? I don't need to low volatility. I don't need low volatility. The fact is, life is pretty high volatility. There is a space for a low volatility sort of existence in life. No, so we tell people, right, create a portfolio that if it falls X percentage, you can live with that and then decide what the portfolio allocation should be. So, but uh, Radhika, thank you so much. Very few times do we have a CEO, an entrepreneur, a social media star, a content creator all at the same time in one show. And this has been one of those. So uh, exceptional uh, uh, talking to you. We've learned a lot. I'll really take away the goldfish uh, thought and maybe that's what we'll call this show then. Uh, thanks so much, Radhika. Thanks for doing this for us. Thanks, Satan Sandeep. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed tuning in today and got some great takeaways. New episodes of this podcast are out every alternate Thursday. You can listen to the episode on our website or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. If you wish to reach out to us, follow Deserve on LinkedIn or you can write to us at social at deserve.in.